In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This week has been a challenging week, by all standards, in all respects. But it's been a week in which we have seen the best and worst of humanity. We have seen incredible barbarism and cruelty. And we've seen what humanity is capable of if it leaves itself unchecked. But we've also seen what it is to be a Christian and to be able to witness to your faith, but also how we respond to challenges in our faith. I suppose one of the last things that someone would expect of a community that has lost 21 of its members barbarically, as we've seen this week, is forgiveness, is calm, is a sense of peacemaking. And that is precisely what we have seen. And that's precisely what we need to live. Now, let's be very clear. There is difference between a lived faith and a way in which we conduct ourselves instinctively, because that is who we are, and just saying the right thing at the right time to get the right kind of coverage. So, difference between life and just words. And what we have seen over this week is life, true life, powerful life and witness. Whether it be from people who witnessed their faith and showed it in the most powerful of ways and paid the ultimate price, in the words of scripture, even unto death. And also, we have seen it in the way that their own families, their own siblings, their own communities have responded in saying, you don't want a spiral of anger, resentment, violence, unrest. We have a principle that we live by in Christianity that comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 10, verse 29. Telling us not to fear those who kill the body and therefore have nothing else they can do. The body is temporal. The body is going to go. The body will die. Now, I don't mean to dishonor because the body, our bodies are given to us as the temple of God and he resides within us and so we need to honor our bodies and that's why we live a life of sacredness, a life of righteousness we live in a way that shows sanctity and shows sanctified choices but besides that we know the body will die. We know that what is far, far 
more important for us and more essential and critical is the spirit. And so we don't fear things that affect the body. I'm sure the intention of the brutal executions, the videos, the very well-polished, well-produced and choreographed videos that, and that's, I've said time and time again over this week, that's what concerned me even more. It's the glamorizing of death, the glamorizing of murder, that, in the words of conversations I've had over the last couple of days with people, it's almost a humanity that we now know is deteriorating slowly but surely because the sacredness of life and our being entrusted over it and the sacredness we should show it and deal with it through seems to be dissipating. But there is a much more powerful message because if I just say that, then the question is, well, are you just waiting to die? Is that it? The body's going to go. Your life is going to end. Is that all it is? Of course not. Because we are told that we are the light of the world. We are told we are the light of the world. And we are told that we will carry a cross through life. But we're also warned in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that that cross to many in the eyes of the world will seem like foolishness. You'll look foolish. You'll feel foolish. You'll act foolishly. You'll be judged as foolish. What do you mean sacrifice your life? What do you mean love your neighbor? What do you mean forgive those who persecute you? What do you mean to take all of that and not retaliate and not cause harm? In actual fact, you take that and you change it and you convert it into love and into forgiveness and into graciousness. What does that mean? So in the eyes of the world, in the way our world runs, that will often seem to be foolishness. Just after the uprising in Egypt, I, I was traveling through Washington and met a gentleman there who was ex-military, Egyptian. He was a Muslim. And he said to me, he was very sympathetic to the Christians, he said to me, well, when are you going to take up arms? When are you going to fight for yourselves? I said, we're not. We haven't historically. We're not now. And by God's grace, we never will. He said, well, in that case, they will continue to walk all over you. So be it, was my answer to him. So be it. I can't and you can't argue with a worldly view that you have to protect your territory. Because in the world's eyes, it means nothing when I say, you know what, I'll do my bit, I'll be faithful, but God will look after the rest. In a world that often does not believe in God, in a world that often actually tries to proactively and intentionally push God out of the equation. That statement doesn't make any sense. That ethos, that mindset doesn't make any sense. It doesn't 
register. Of course I need to look after myself and protect myself and do what I can. But then there is a point where I say, but the rest is in God's hands. That's the conviction we have and that's the life we have lived. Constantly. It is painful. It is horrific. What these poor men went through, I, I don't even understand. I think many of us probably can't understand it. But looking at it, it was superhuman. Imagine these 21 men, 21 fit, healthy men, they were there in Libya to work and support their families. These fit, healthy men, subjected to trauma, captivity, bound, paraded along with cameras, so there was even a, an inhumanity about it. There was a parading of these men as war trophies. And you're told that we're going to kill you. Now at this point you really have nothing to lose. What do you have to lose at this point? Absolutely nothing. Do you kick and scream? Do you make a point and try to run away? Do you at least even hurl abuse at your captors? Do you swear at them? Do you denigrate them? Do you insult them or their faith or their ethos? Do you, out of anger, react in ways you don't even understand? Now, if anyone had done any or all of this, they would have been excused in that sort of setting. You're there, you're bound, you're captive, you're never seeing your family again. You're going to die, and you're going to die horrifically. The one thing we saw across the 21 of these men, each and every one of them, was a silence. They uttered no word but the name of Christ. Nothing. They didn't complain, they didn't scream, they didn't swear, they didn't hurl abuse. They didn't instinctively, out of pain, utter profanity. Nothing. That only comes from that incredible power within that is God. That power within that only comes from God. You see, it's important for us to realize that God, although sometimes allows us and often will permit, but is with us in times of incredible trials like this, he will never leave us alone. Our God's promise to us is, I will not forsake you. I will not leave you. God's promise to us is, I will never abandon you. Your very hairs are counted. You're my image, you're my likeness, you're my child. And somehow, 
in some way these men came to terms with that message I want to draw your attention to one very important point and it's a point that I, I constantly am wary of there is a distinction between taking pride in and being thankful for these faithful lives and being triumphalist and being arrogant about who they are and what they did. They didn't show any sign of arrogance or being triumphalist. They didn't say to them, look, you know what, we're Christians, we're going to do this and you're going to be shamed. None of that. And that's what we have to be careful of. That's what we have to be wary of. It is, it is beautiful. It is beautiful to see such powerful witness. But at the same time, we must come to terms with an understanding of who we are. And when we live and love and forgive, then we do that from the depths of our hearts. Not because we have to, although if we do it because only we have to, it's a starting point. But we need to work towards doing it because it's not what we have to do, it's just who we are. It's how we live. It's how we work within the context of God. Because our focus is not on the death, but the resurrection. Our Lord in the Gospel of St. John chapter 11 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And if you look at this example, whether it's them or other people who have died for their faith, throughout the 2,000 years of Christianity, they may have died in body, but their life, their example, their legacy lives on. These men, we didn't know them, and had things gone the way they thought, we would never have heard of them. These were poor villagers from Egypt going to Libya of all places, which is already in, in a political upheaval, going there to work to support their families. What does that mean to anyone? Who would have known any of these, these 21 men? But now, the whole world knows them. The whole world knows them because our Lord says, He who confesses me before men, I will confess before the angels of God. They confessed him, and they confessed him valiantly, but graciously. And that's the kind of Christian living we must live. A gracious Christianity. Taking pride in our Christianity, but never ever being arrogant about it. Never being self-righteous. Never being judgment, judgmental of others. We don't even have the right to be judgmental of these men who murdered our brothers. 
we can judge the act, we can condemn the act, we can condemn the cruelty, we can condemn the murders, we can even condemn the thought behind it. But we don't judge the people. Because once we judge them, there is a bigger problem for us. We read earlier not to fear those who kill the body and then have nothing else that they can do. The bigger problem is if I hate, if I am resentful, if I am self-righteous, and that enters into my heart, then I become polluted. I become less the image and likeness of God than as I was created. And my chance at eternity, at living with him forever, is gone. So I need to be careful that my heart is never corrupted. In scripture we sometimes read, this is the beginning of hard times. We've been hearing it for 2,000 years. And it keeps getting sometimes, in some respects, harder. And no doubt, and unfortunately, we will see these things again. We've just heard of another group of innocent civilians abducted in Syria, just for being Christian, out of their village. We don't ever just feel pain for our own Coptic brothers and sisters. We must feel pain for anyone who lives that kind of life and is dealt with in this way, no matter who. And again, please understand me, I'm not just speaking rhetoric here. I, need, I don't need to win your votes. You know who I am. I'm here amongst my children. So I'm not speaking rhetoric. What I'm speaking is what our Bible teaches us. Love everyone. Be concerned for everyone. Advocate for everyone. Show compassion towards everyone. Pray for everyone. Because it's in that that we find our strength. You might have thought that in seeing what we saw over the last week, we would find a broken community a weakened community, a devastated community. What we've actually found is a grieving community, which is only right because these men were, were brothers, fathers, sons, uncles, friends, and they're not going to see their families again. Their families aren't going to see them again. They're not going to go back to their own communities again. But that's not what we focus on. What we focus on is something very, very different. We focus on the fact that it's not broken, it is grieving, but in that apparent weakness, there is such a power that comes forward. And it's a humble, gracious power. A power, nevertheless. 2 Corinthians 12.19 When St. Paul himself, the great St. Paul, 
prays to God and says, you know, please, I've asked you to take this thorn in my flesh away from me. This temptation, this obstacle. And the response he receives from the Lord God is, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. The peace that we saw in these men could only have come from God. The peace that we see in these communities could only have come from God. The peace that we try to share today can only come from God. And that's where his strength shows through our weakness. We may look like a community that has just undergone a huge barbaric terrorist act. We've been the victims of it. Surely you then become a victim. You live in this victimhood. You're broken by it. You're overpowered by it. In actual fact, that's not what we've seen at all. We've seen a community empowered by prayer, empowered by faith, empowered by a knowledge that there is a deeper and greater life, empowered by an understanding that there is an eternity that we all reach and we strive for. Appearances will often in this world be deceiving. If we go back to 2 Corinthians 13.4, For though, speaking of our Lord, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. And that applies to every one of us. Whether you're talking about these 21 men murdered, or us in our own daily witness. Although we look like we are crucified, we look, we appear to be, but in actual fact, we have power that can only come from God. And that is a grace and a blessing and something we hold on to. It goes on to say, For we also are weak in him, but we shall live in him by the power of God toward him. So again, Christians, you look like Christians, you're weak as Christians, you're weak in him, but actually no, we're not. We look that way. We look like we're weak. But in actual fact, there is a strength, there is a power, there is a conviction that is beyond the understanding of this world. If you have experienced anything in this life, you will understand that when you face an oppressor, the instinctive human reaction is to fight against the oppressor, to, to try to strike out, to fight anger with anger and violence with violence. But that's not what we see in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. We see a graciousness and a love and an acceptance to the end. 
While we rejoice in all of this, as I said, we've got to be very, very careful not to rejoice in the downfall of anyone else. We never rejoice in evil, ever. We never rejoice in the fact that someone else has been on the receiving end of oppression or violence. We're not Christians that way. We're not living the life of Christ. What makes us Christians? What makes us Christians is to follow in his footsteps and to carry his name the way he wants us to. And so we don't take pride or rejoice in anything ill befalling someone else. No matter how treacherous that someone else might be, We have many, many examples through history between people, between races, where carrying the burden of anger and resentment has meant that it is a continuing spiral that just goes from height to height and that never ends. Anger is a burden. Resentment is a burden. Hatred is a burden. And unless we are able to overcome those, we are bound by them. We're gagged by them. We can't speak properly, because when we speak, we're gagged by our anger and our resentment. But if what we have in our hearts is love and forgiveness, those words flow freely. They flow simply. Those words become instinctive and natural. When we're burdened by anger and resentment, we can't act properly. We're bound by it. But when we have that love and that peace, our actions are instinctive. Our actions of love and graciousness. Our actions of forgiveness. In his first epistle, St. John, in chapter 2, says, Do not give in to hate. Then he goes on to say, He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. And that is so true. Have you heard of this thing called a blind rage? Blind rage. You're angry, you're reacting, you can't see what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. You can't be held accountable for it because you don't see, you don't understand. But it comes out of the rage. It comes out of the anger and out of the resentment. But if we want to see, if we want our eyes to be opened, If we want to be able to walk in righteousness, then we need to understand that we cannot be overcome by hatred. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness 
and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I pray for these men who committed this crime. Not because I'm better than them, not because I'm trying to be condescending, not because I'm trying to be a hero, but because in the context of this verse, the hatred that they had for their brothers in humanity, that hatred meant that they couldn't see. When they looked at this person in front of them, they didn't see a human being with a human life created by God, sanctified by God, they saw someone they hated. And we have to be careful that that doesn't touch us in our day-to-day lives as well. Be careful that when we're dealing with people, that our hatred doesn't get the better of us. That we don't just see someone or something we hate. In actual fact, that we can overcome that. So as I said this week, we have seen the best and worst of humanity. We have seen a wonderful example to live by, and that is scalable to our own daily life. We can never, we can never parallel or equate or even liken what we go through on a daily basis here to what those men went through. And it would be a dishonor for us to say, well, we're persecuted as well. No, actually, we're not. We are persecuted in a way, but not anything like they were, not at the sharp edge of a knife. So we should be more able to express that grace, to not be consumed by that anger, to not be broken by that sense of loss, to be more empowered by a forgiveness. Because in actual fact, and I'll close with this, Romans 6.5, for he, sorry, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's what we look forward to and that's what we see. In death there is life. In apparent defeat there is victory. And in matters like this where it appears to be a solution that has a, a situation that has no solution and a situation where there is no hope that the hope that is in us through the presence of God continues to guide us and support us and allow us to rise above all of these challenges and continue to live as his light for ourselves and for others. And glory be to God forever. Amen.